Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome to... Welcome to Coach Unplugged. I'm going to leave that. I'm a little tongue twisted. It's one of those days today. Um, before we jump into the podcast today, I want to make sure I give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish. They, What I love about them is not only how easy it is to set up, not only how great their customer service is, but what I like is how innovative they are. They're always changing their machine, always making it better, always looking to pivot. It's why they're one of our sponsors because we believe in him so much. So go over and check them out. Mentioned, uh, mentioned Coach Unplugged, mentioned High School Hoops, mentioned teachhoops.com, mentioned Coach Collins, mentioned anybody, and they'll give you $400 off um, related to us. Uh, that's You won't find a better discount out there. And then also go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. If you're looking for a coach to help you coach, <laughs> if you're looking for a mentor, if you're looking for my bat phone, if you're looking to get help in every aspect of the game, if you're looking for clinics, if you're looking for videos, if you're looking for motivation, if you're looking for handouts, looking for practice ideas, anything, we have it all in there with a 14-day free trial. Go over and check it out. Um, only 14-day free trial out there. It will You will not be disappointed. Um, we believe in our product so much, and um, I think you'll love it. So go over and check it out. It's help, what, uh, what helps us keep the lights on here and everything moving forward. So have a great day and let's head off to the podcast. All right. Welcome to Coach Unplugged. All right, Coach. Uh, so kind of go through your basketball journey. Introduce yourself and then kind of go through your basketball journey. I, we were talking before we came on the air about coaching in Maine. And how many, how many do you see a lot of moose in Maine? <laughs> not down here we're more close yeah. to the city but uh thanks to covid we had a coyote in the backyard and we've had a bear in the backyard before really I bought the woods, but i haven't seen any moose down here now our, okay so i'm gonna go off topic here for a second so we uh wisconsin implemented elk uh a while ago and they are huge like you got to stop your car is a moose that big yeah you stop your uh, car moose, moose is bigger yeah um, moose is bigger. They they're crazy some of the kids like 
not to brake when you hit a moose because you'll go under it and it will crush the car. Um, yeah. So yeah. no, the, the, I don't think there's anything that compares to the size of a moose. I know it's crazy. People don't understand. There, people are listening all over the country. It's like or all over the world. It, it like it is like like if you're driving one of those little like smart cars, you're you're toast if you hit an elite, an elk. I've I've seen elk in person. Moose is bigger. Oh my god, it's gonna squash. A moose it. will take out an eighteen wheel. I mean, it'll smash it up pretty good. I mean, oh yeah, people die every year here. Really, from a moose oh, from moose. That's yeah. crazy. Uh, yeah, and then in well, and we we both have deer issues. Like I don't know about Wisconsin. Like I think oh, it's right the right third right. largest during deer season. I think it's like the third largest army in the world, or or fifth largest <laughs> army in the world. Deer hunting is crazy in Wisconsin. But um, all right, so coach, go ahead and and uh, introduce yourself and kind of describe your your coaching journey because I want to dive into into your Bates uh into your Bates coaching and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. I, I graduated. My name's Sam Farrell. I coached at Brunswick High School, girls basketball. And in 2000, I graduated from the University of Maine. And I was teaching up in that area, Old Town High School, small high school, because my wife was still at the university. And I said I wasn't going to coach anything. I said, no, it's too tough. And I got roped into coaching soccer, never played soccer in my life. Uh, I coached JV soccer in a football town. Uh, my landlord's like, I need somebody. You were a rugby player. Come beat up my guys. And I went, all right, I can do that. Okay. So before and, we go any farther, so explain that process. How was that process? Like what were the hard parts? Cause I think this is important for everybody. If you want to be a good teacher, educator, you got to learn doing things you don't know. So how did that like influence your coaching? So it's so my first ever apartment landlord's only a few years older than me. And he goes, Hey, I'm, I'm coaching soccer in Bucksport, Maine. And that's about a 40 minute drive. And he goes, I don't have a JV team, but I get a JV coach. And this is a football town. We're not very tough. He goes, can you come in and toughen up the guys? And I go, I, I don't know anything about soccer. He goes, don't care about soccer. I need you to be there to push these young guys who don't know how good they can be. And if they're not doing the job, can I just give them to you? I'm like, well, I can do conditioning. Sure. And so 23-year-old me is learning from the head coach, but really just there to coach and echo what he's saying and to get these kids to kind of toughen up because some of them were playing soccer because they were afraid to play football. Right. A few of them loved soccer and they were an anomaly in this small mill town. So there's a paper mill in that town. That's pretty much where you work. That was it. It was a lot of fun of me just hooting and hollering, getting to be myself and learning how to coach from a guy who coached very different. He's the type of coach that would sit on the bench, eat popcorn during the game. And I'm the one on the sideline. Let's go, let's go, push it, push it, spread the ball. Cause he's like, well, I taught him. They got to figure it out. Soccer's a, little, soccer's a little different though. Soccer is a little different. hundred percent. No? Yeah. Oh, it is. Oh, totally different sport. But these guys needed to be pushed, pushed, pushed. Um, there was the one year Maine had an open tournament. So everybody made the playoffs and we were, Oh, 17 and one and but they got better i mean it was a it was a weird experience i traveled to a bunch of small towns i'd never heard of and uh it, it was neat so that that led me to saying i guess i could coach and in bangor there's a larger city than where i was they had a middle school girls b job advertised and i said well i i don't even know what that means middle school girls b and i'll apply <laughs> and i got the job and there were 65 girls trying out in the, in the middle school, which I thought was incredible for a small, smaller area. And I did. I got whatever players the A coach didn't want. 
And I took 15 because I didn't want to cut anybody that, that wanted to play basketball. It was highly competitive up in the northern part of Maine. There was real tournament and there were real uh, standings and people kept stats. And I did that for two years. And in the second year, we literally hit a buzzer beater three to win the championship and a packed gymnasium. Like you couldn't get in. My wife had to fight to get into the gym just to watch it because I didn't. And it was such a big deal. Of course, we needed a two. We took a three because that's what you get from seventh graders. Um, <laughs> that's the truth. So it was, I mean, it was phenomenal. Um, the kids just, and, and that was my experience coaching girls. And I had no desire to coach girls before that. So I kind of did it by accident. And I kind of fell in love with coaching girls because growing up, I mean, you played boy sports. I played boy sports. You, you don't really see what goes on the other end. From there, I moved to teaching at my high school, South Portland High School, where I had attended, and I jumped in as a JV basketball coach under um, Coach Giordano, who'd been there a while. And so for two years, I got to learn from him. Uh, one of the other assistant coaches had played Division One, so I got to learn from her and coaching in my town. So a lot of those kids, I knew the parents. Uh, I went to school with big siblings. And that was a great chance to learn because the parents spoke honestly with me. They weren't pushing. They were just, oh, I know Sam. And they didn't treat me like a coach. So I could really hear and feel what happens behind the scenes of basketball. And it, some good, some bad. So, uh, so first of all, Portland, great town, people. Great town. Love Portland. Yeah. Love Portland, Maine. Love Portland, Maine. Um, was it what what were the what were the hard parts about going home? The the hardest thing, well, it's a blessing and a curse. You do know everybody. Um, and it was my first experience of coaching high school basketball where I was teaching. And that's good and bad, but I wasn't I was teaching the freshmen. So I knew the JV and freshman kids, but not the varsity kids in class. And that was a real challenge because they look at you kind of differently. And it was a very talented team. There were some scholarship players on that and the kind of what do you do, what do you know, coach? because the head coach was in his forties and here I am at 25 and I'm wanting to jump in with them. I'm trying, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm playing with them. I'm shooting around. Um, that was a huge just challenge because I had to show, wait, no, I'm coach Farrell. I'm not Sam that has that been at your house. Hard. 50 times that is for dinner. hard. That is really hard at that age. Yeah, I know. Okay, so so you stayed there. So so two different coaches so far you've learned under. Yep. One one being not basketball, but okay. So then what? So then I end up leaving teaching there to come up to Brunswick, and okay. um, for that first year I got hired late. I wasn't coaching anything. I literally was doing the clock and the announcing at the games. But after that year, I got a job in a small town of about two hundred kids in the school up in Winthrop, Maine. And I hadn't been there when I went for the interview. I didn't know where I was going. That was the time of MapQuest and you're printing out forms. And I go up and I interview and I get the job and it was kind of an oh crap moment. Like, oh, I'm a head coach and this is a basketball hungry town. And <laughs> we were good. We were an injury away from probably winning a state championship. We had a girl blow her knee out in the quarterfinals. No. And I loved those kids. It was a small community. You knew everybody. I mean, there were old people that had reserve seats in that gym because they'd been there for 50 years. It was one of those and it was totally new. They walked us, us in and I would have stayed. So there was a eighth grade parent who was a local AD in a different district. And he kept asking me if I was leaving. And I was like, am I getting fired? 
I'm like, what is going on? Why does he keep asking me? I'm leaving. He didn't think I'd stay because I'm not from the small town. And so I did. I left after a year and went to a much more prestigious when it comes to basketball town and a very well-to-do area. So I went right. down to Greeley High School, um, which had a few years before won a state championship. And they're one of the perennial at the time, class B. Maine had four classes back then, A, B, C, D. Okay. And I went there. And for two years, we had success, but no championship. And I had, you know, in the movies, when someone gets ransomed and they cut words and letters out of magazines. Yeah. I had that sent to my house, um, threatening me, threatening a player um, after wow. years. Wow. Really? Because I wasn't playing the right kids. So it's the team of, uh, I had four seniors who played, four really good sophomores and some in between. And that sophomore group, those parents thought they should start, never come out. And I don't know who sent it, but it was. Wow. Did, did, did the police and thing get involved? No, the, the school dealt with it. Um, I can't, I should have saved it because I had to turn it over or photocopy right. it. But literally, the label was like S cut out from one magazine. A like nothing was typed on the front, and then inside it was typed. And I don't know how they got my address. I lived in this small little town, thirty-five minutes away, and I kind of wanted to have the attitude of "screw this, I'm going to stay." But my wife was like, "If you go back, I won't go to games." And this was a woman who would travel three hours to watch me coach, drive by right. herself. Right. Um. So I, that was two years and I was done. And then I ended up at um, this semi-private school. And I don't know if your area has semi-private schools. It's an academy that's been there forever. The local towns cover your tuition if you live in certain towns. So it's private, but they kind of answer. So there's no school board. They have their own board. Yeah, um, it's it's like a charter almost. We don't really have those. Per se. But it's not a charter. Charter. This one's been around 100 years. Yeah, I've never heard of that. It has a few of these. And well, because if you go back, um, there wasn't the money to have your own schools in certain towns. This, right. this was a fishing town area. Okay. And I went there for a year and I told the AD when he hired me, there's only one job I would take would be the Brunswick job because I'm teaching there. And I was I love where I teach. And so I was there one year. The Brunswick coach stepped down and stepped into Brunswick and finished my 13th year this year. Um, that was a school that had struggled. They hadn't won a game, a playoff game since 1987. And in my first year, 09-10, we went to the regional championship, losing at the buzzer. Um, and I didn't even know that. I mean, the, the news guys in the interview, you're like, hey, how's it feel to win a game? It's always <laughs> Brunswick's first playoff game since 87. I'm like, what's happening? And um, sometimes that's good to not know that stuff, though. To be honest with you, in retrospect, probably. Uh, what's the hardest thing to do in your community? Like, what's the hardest? Like, what's your big? Like, every community has obstacles. My community has obstacles. Every community. What's the hardest thing to overcome? You think? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
I mean, this is a small town, so I can't go to the grocery store or to Walmart without seeing people, uh, whether it's teaching or coaching. My kids don't want to come with me because someone's going to yell, hey, hey, coach or hey, Mr. Farrell. Um, but that's the toughest thing because you get to know some of these kids. We had um, a girl whose younger brother is friends with my older son and, the, and my wife and the mom were close and the girl wasn't getting minutes. And all of a sudden we stopped being invited to Christmas parties and our boys weren't hanging out together anymore. I mean, so that's the one struggle of living, teaching and coaching in a small town because our school's got about 730 kids. So you kind of know everybody. And is there a solution to that? I don't know if there's a solution to that. I mean, part of it is I'm very honest with them, especially growing up. Every kid. So we had 14 players on the varsity. I'd coached them all since little kids. So since elementary school. So it does help when you build that relationship over time. Um, it's hard for them to do what that parent did because everyone's going to see you and they know it. that's the best way to do it. It's just, you have those relationships, you're honest and they know you're not going away. <laughs> right, right, right. No, I mean, it's like, it's interesting because you know, we're in a big town, quarter of a million, 300,000 people, oh, just the, just Madison itself. And I live in our district. I live in our, you know, our kids go to. But um, and we used to we used to live in the same district, but a different high school. Um, and again, it didn't really matter. I don't. I mean, it's it's rare that I see one of my students, let alone my players, in public. It's crazy. Like once in a while, I will. But um, so that's a, that's a plus to a big. It all, but it's harder also to build community in a bigger community. Right. Like there's well, too many. Well, things. they're gonna go to the concert. They're gonna go to state fair. They're gonna go to you know the tell they're gonna like there's just so many things to pull their attention to um so there's well and i spent a lot of time yeah building family because my kids are kind of too old to need babysitters but coaching girls those are my babysitters <laughs> so i mean they've been here for you know what i mean forever right and that's a huge help because you know it's hard for someone to chirp when my wife and kids are sitting next to them and they know their daughter has changed diapers <laughs> of the little boy next to you. Right. It is that, that, that is a plus, like that's the relationship part. It's like, it's hard to hate. It's hard to hate someone when you know them again, right. societal issues, to be honest with you. Uh, it's hard. You, you, people don't know each other. So if we knew, I mean, that's part of our, anyway, that's a whole philosophical thing. Uh, uh, all right. So give me an, spark note, cliff note, whatever version your coaching philosophy. Like if I came to your practice or I came yep. and I was a fly on your wall for your first week, what, what is your coaching philosophy? What would I see? I think the biggest thing is I push that everybody there matters, but everybody has a job to do. And I sweat every little thing and I expect them to as well. And that really, if you push everything matters, it's hard for them to not realize they matter. It's hard for them not to push each other. And you're going to see that intensity where they should be picking it up, picking each other up and fixing each other. Um, but they also know if it took me playing five kids a game to win a state championship, I'm going to play five kids a game to win a state championship. Um, not that I've ever done that. I mean, this is the discussion I've had too. I've said this before. It's like, I want to win. They want to win. I'm going to play who I think is going to help us win. 
other than when I coached my son, there's really no conflict. I mean, I, you don't think I'm honestly going to play the best people like, really? Like I'm going to play player X rather than player Y because why? Like, so yes, I think that's uh I think that's a, that's an interesting. Well, There's a funny story with that. So that, that run we had to the state final, I remember a girl, Paul, Oh, coach only plays his favorites. Said it out loud, right with me there while they're getting a drink, not knowing I'd hear it. And I got a player who turns and goes, what are you talking about? Heather's his favorite and he doesn't play her a lick. And that was the end of that. You know what I mean? So the kids know. Kids know. Um, kids. To be honest with you. So again, from someone that's coached 35 year ish, the kids know, the kids really do know when they look in the mirror, they really like, they know they're not better than those. Like now, couldn't there be an argument if I'm five or six I mean, they all know who the best player is. They all know who should be scored. I mean, they really do. If they when they they might never admit it to any human being ever, but when they look in the mirror, they know. They really do. Oh, and it's, and if you're honest with them and you show it in practice, you give them chances. And then with that philosophy, I think the the classroom and the the basketball court are no different. So I think you part of my philosophy is you always got to be teaching, but you got to let them figure it out. And we do a lot of situations. Like I had mentioned this scramble drill earlier. They have to figure things out and I can't tell them because the kids want the answer. Coach, if they do this, what do I do? Well, it depends. Who is it? Right. Is it a big, is it a shooter? What's happening on the weak side? What's going over here? You got to figure it out. I can't hold your hand through it. And I think you've got to give them a ton of chances right. in practice preseason summer to screw up and figure it out right and it's like it's like old school like you, you do like this is how you shoot a right-handed layup well <laughs> in an empty gym you shoot a right-handed layup one way you are never going to shoot that right-handed layup ever in a game that way like you're not you're gonna someone's gonna step in front you're gonna have to go the other side so every layup is going to be a little bit different the only thing in basketball that stays consistent is shooting free throws that's the yeah, only 100%. thing in basketball that ever stays the same. But um, even on that case, you're not going to have every kid in your team shoot the same looking free throw. No. Because if it goes in, I don't care. I don't care either. And and there's going to be different types of pressure put on them. The shot will be always be the same. Like, I can go to Maine. The free throw is yeah. going to be the same as it is in Wisconsin. doesn't matter. Yeah. But that jump shot from 15 feet in every game is going to be different how you're pressured, how much time you have, all those things. And that's where the small sided game and things that I've been doing for 30 plus years, it's like, that's where it comes. I mean, you have to do that because you have to, they have to learn. Like, um, you know, I have a couple smaller guards coming up. Well, they know they can't always get to the rim. They know they have to have a floater. They know they have to, or they're not, they're not going to get their shot off. Um, but they've learned that because they've experimented enough that they know it. Do you have a coaching failure that you would be willing to share that someone could learn from? Coaching failure. Geez, throw me on the spot on that one. There's, we all probably have a million of those. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I have one from last season where I didn't call a timeout. Up three, best free throw shooter shooting. He misses it. Seven seconds, they come down. I was going to call a timeout after he made the second one. We were going to, well, anyway, I didn't call it. I waited because I thought he'd make it and then I was going to take it. I made a mistake. I, yeah, and I told the biggest issue I, and I've said this before for coaches that are listening, I admitted that to them right away. And I said, yeah. I'm this, you right here, blame that on, I should have done this. Could all of you done things in a game? Yes. But I did this part. This is me. Right. Like I'm still owning it. I'll probably own it for 10 years. Cause 
I messed up. I should have taken it before he shot the second. Um, because then they. No, hit I think it. my biggest failure, and this sticks with me. It was my first year coaching, and we had a team dead. They were better than us on paper. I think we're up twelve in the fourth quarter, and this coach, they at one point won eleven regional championships in a row. Like he's a legend. He went on to assist um, at the University of Maine, and he threw it just over half court track, and we never practiced against it. I was a young coach. I thought we could simply, my point guard could just beat it. And I'm not kidding. We couldn't get the ball in the, in the front court, the whole fourth quarter. And all of a sudden our double digit lead was gone and we just melted. And I'm sitting there going, I didn't have a plan for this. I, same thing you said, I turned to the girls. I'm like, that's my fault. Guess what we're working on tomorrow. And I've refused to be able to get trapped or pressed ever since. So you, I learned from that. But this was this was a coach with 25 plus years experience who took advantage of the guy with the year one. And he even joked about it because he coached against my uncle years ago. And he goes, well, I wouldn't have got Tom, but I got you like he had that. He knew what yeah, he, he was knew. doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, like, I, I mean, I've said this. I've told this story too. my first state championship. We were undefeated the entire season and we lost in the state finals and we don't lose that game now. Like, I, yeah. I mean, I still apologize to those guys because that was, was, you know, I, I, it was my first state finals. I was still relatively young. I had only been a head coach five or six. I mean, I don't lose that game today because I well, don't, it, w- what are you going to do? It's like, that's where I was in my career. But, you know, um, the, there's yeah, adjustments and things I would have done. They keep you awake up night every once in a while, don't they? <laughs> they get easier. So that one was horrible. I, I mean, I'm married to a psychologist. I think I was depressed that year after I lost that state finals because we were 25 and 0 and we lost in the finals. But we won it the next year. That got me over it. That 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 silver that runner up now is a story. And it, I look at it and it's like, but but winning it kind of erased that like bad memory. So um, yeah, it, you're a better man than me on that one. I think I'd still be. It's been enough time though. That was 2004. So 18 years, I better get over in 18 years. Um, Is there, um, what's the biggest change you think you've seen in your coaching career in the game? What's the biggest change? When I started coaching, I thought there was a lot more athletes playing basketball. So you used to have your core basketball kids who live and breathe basketball. It's the number one sport. They might play other sports. Um, but you'd get that great soccer player or baseball player or tennis player, football player who wanted to be on the basketball team. And they made impacts because they were great athletes. They were competitors. They were winners. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, if you'd like to support us, go over and check out teachings.com for coaches who want to get better. Also, subscribe and like. We do appreciate those. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.